Kids had a chance. I want to make sure we take time with our kids if they're ready to do that. So if I haven't missed one. So today's the 24th, obviously. And uh, before I get into the few things I want to say about Christmas, I can't help myself um, but, but take a verse out of Proverbs chapter 24. So here's one for you tonight. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. A house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. Cool. Okay. So Christmas, it's all about the birth of a baby, which is really, really an amazing thing. I mean, if you've had a child, you know what I'm talking about. It's, 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 if, if you are the one producing the child, if you are the mother or the father, you look at that and you say, this is, this is more than biology. It's miraculous. I mean, there's no way that, I mean, I, I get the biology part and you and I understand all of that. But the truth is, it's a miracle. That any, that any man and woman can somehow produce a living, breathing, thinking, loving, caring, whatevering person is nothing less than miraculous. And um, <laughs> that's right. And, uh, you know, when it happens to you, it's amazing. You just can hardly believe that it's going on. When it happens to someone close to you, your friends or your family, it's a big deal and you love that. When you're a grandparent, it's the coolest thing in the world. What's happened to me, I became a grandparent this um, last spring, and I'm just, it's miraculous in every way. Having a baby, this whole birth of Christ and this whole thing of having a baby, it's, a, it's such a big deal. And there is a whole passage of scripture that talks about this process. It's Psalm 139. I want to read a couple of verses to you, um, verses 16 and 17. Now this is someone actually talking to God. So the you that we're talking about here is God. God, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. God saw us before we became a person. And in your book... They all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. The Lord knows all of our days. Every day of triumph for you, every day of heartbreak, every day of concern, every day of routine, the Lord knows your tomorrows as much as he knows your yesterdays. Before a single one of them happened, he knows them all. Verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If you've ever wondered how God thinks about you, there's your answer. It's not what Hollywood would tell you. God's not somehow keeping this list of your failures and when you've had a little bit of a bad attitude. There's no, you know, it's not like a naughty list and a nice list, right? I mean, I'm not saying everything is okay. I'm saying how God thinks about you is written down right there. Precious are you in God's sight. All of the time. You realize that? All the time. All the time he's thinking about you. And this scripture, um, there's other verses and I'm not going to go into it too much, but it says that, that... there's a word in there that talks about when we were being formed, when God was forming us in our mother's womb. And the word literally is translated knitted. When the Lord knitted you together in your mother's womb. And I really believe he's, it, that scripture is talking about the fact that God thought, you know what, Terry, I'm going to put a little bit of um, um, organizational skill in you and um, a little bit of sensitivity. You could use more than that, but you'll learn that along the way. And I'll give you some stick-to-itiveness so that you'll press past challenges. I mean... For some of you, it's like he's stuck into Lisa. Here's a green thumb. You can make flowers grow in a desert, which she can do. And I got no green in my thumbs. In fact, their green vacuums keep them away from plants because they kill plants. And, and, and the Lord thought about the things as he knitted you together in your mother's womb. You know, you're not happenstance. It's not random chance. And it's always underwritten by a pen of love, how the Lord thinks about you and me. Precious are your thoughts towards us, Lord, too many to count. And that's true for every one of us. Well, 
We're going to read the Christmas story, and right before we do, I think we should have a Christmas treat. So this is when I would ask the ushers to come and pass something out. And this is not, we're not receiving an offering. Instead, we're passing the other direction. Only this time, it's a treat that a few loving hands have put together. So can I have those now? Um, Now, here's the deal with this. This is for now or later. You can decide. It's basically um, s'mores. Now, Lisa and I like to go camping. We love s'mores. Sorry, no campfires. You can't use your, don't light your candle up and cook your s'more, okay? But this is a, an instant s'more, um, which you can do now or you can save it for later. And this is for just like while we're reading, watching the, the Christmas story. So the first version of the Christmas story I want you to see is one of my favorites, and it's by um, a, a friend of mine named, named Linus. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And that's all he's got to say on that subject. Well done, Linus. Well, while we're still passing out, I want to read from um, Luke chapter 2. It's the same story, and this is from a different translation, starting in verse 8. The words will be up there if you want to follow along. There were some shepherds in that part of the country who were spending the night in the fields taking care of their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone over them. Okay, this is an unusual thing. It's got, got their attention, kind of spooky. They were terribly afraid. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I'm here with good news for you, which will bring great joy to all people. This very day in David's town, your Savior was born, Christ the Lord. And this is what will prove it to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great army of heaven's angels appeared with the angel, singing praises to God. Okay, they were spooked before, and now all of a sudden they can see this huge army of angels. What a majestic moment. Glory to God in the highest, they sang. Glory to God in the highest, and, on, and, on, and peace on earth to those with whom he is pleased. Peace on earth to, to those with whom he is pleased. That's a little different than we're used to seeing in the Hallmark card, right? The translation we're so used to hearing is... Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But it's actually an incomplete recitation when you hear that phrase. The scripture actually says this, and here's another translation to help. Uh, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Wow. It's interesting because clearly God does not put his peace on everybody. What's the deal with that? How come I don't get peace? Because I'll bet you sometimes you don't have peace and sometimes I don't have peace. And sometimes we need God. We need, we need peace. What's the deal? Is, is this an issue of favoritism? Is it, is it religious 
bigotry. How come everybody doesn't get peace? Well, I'm going to submit to you it's available, but a lot of people just simply refuse it. As crazy as that sounds, some people just say, I don't want it. I don't want to have, I don't want to have anything to do. No, no, don't, don't give me that peace. And as crazy as that is, I mean, when God gives peace, it's supernatural peace. It's better than that the world can give you, you and me. And it goes beyond our understanding. Here's what I mean by that. If you have a scary situation or something, the doctor has said something to you or your spouse has declared something to you that breaks your heart or your children are facing something, what we try to do is we try to think with our mind and say, okay, um, here's what I'll do to fix this problem. But our mind also takes us to the what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? And when we start doing the what if game, peace kind of starts to slip away. Because we depend on peace happening from our intellect. That's human nature. But God gives peace, which his word describes as, he gives us a peace that goes beyond our understanding. It's almost as if the loving fingers of Jesus says, okay, this, this son of mine, this Terry, he's struggling mentally and in his heart. He needs peace. I'm just going to push it right past his thinker down into his soul. And all of a sudden, because the Lord has done that, I can, can walk with a peace that doesn't make sense. Nevertheless, it's genuine. The peace doesn't take the problem away. Problems have a f- way of getting resolved in one way or another. But regardless, the peace is still present because the Lord puts in a peace that passes our understanding. And it doesn't make sense to reject that. But people do. It's kind of a crazy thing. And when we do, then our ego tries to step in and we come up with ways to get our peace back. Like we try to control the circumstances or, or we, we even do the things that I mentioned earlier. We start to you know, hold on to our right to be offended. We become a victim or, or we, we will somehow control the circumstances or we will push for and work for the approval of people. We'll do all kinds of things to try to force peace. But there's something better than that. And I'm going to talk about all those, those kinds of topics all through January. But God gives us this peace that's better and beyond. Now, Joseph, he needs it. Here's Joseph's deal. He's, he's betrothed to this woman, Mary, which kind of is like more than an engagement, but less than a marriage. So they're more than engaged, but not quite married yet. And he gets the news. Mary's pregnant. And he knows he's not the father. Okay, it's easy to put yourself in that mental state. You're thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. I am not going to marry this woman. This is not what I signed up for. If this is going on now, what's the rest of my life going to be like? This doesn't work for me. And there's turmoil and heartburn, and he tries to go to sleep at night, and he's awake in the middle of the night, and his heart is absolutely shattered and broken. This guy needs peace. Would you agree? This guy's in trouble. Now, Mary, on the other hand, she's been pure in this. She didn't do anything wrong, and people are thinking about her, and people are talking about her. They both could use some peace. Now, he's thinking, I'm not going to do this. This just doesn't work. And it's at that moment that the scriptures pick up because the, the scriptures tell us this is what he's thinking. Now the, the, now the Lord steps in with some peace that goes beyond his understanding. Matthew 1, starting in verse 20. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. Now, this is, this is Isaiah had made this prophecy 500 years before Jesus was born. Verse 23, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Catch that? You were to call him Jesus, they will call him Emmanuel. We'll have to figure that out in a minute, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now, he knew he was going to have problems. He knew her reputation would still be a challenge. He knew he was now going to be responsible to parent someone. All of, that, all of his problems were still present, yet he had peace. He had peace. Verse 25, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So the Lord places his peace down in Joseph's heart. But what's with this? It almost seems like it's contradictory. You know, you call him Jesus, they're going to call him Emmanuel. What's with the two names? Kind of curious. What's the difference between the two names? They're both good names. The name Jesus comes from a couple of Hebrew words that mean, basically it means God, and it means Savior, Rescuer, salvation, savior. I mean, it's, it's God the savior, basically, literally what it means. And Emmanuel means God with us. Two great names, but they're different names. And you call him Jesus, they call him Emmanuel. What's going on there? Try to figure that out. So God gives us two names. He says, he says you call him Jesus, God saves. That's very personal. You, one-on-one, you call him, God saves. It's a very personal, God has saved me. Jesus, God save me. That's what, the, that's what the name means. God save me. So when you talk about Jesus, I mean, apart from it being a historical narrative, when you call him Jesus, that's like saying the one who saved me. It's personal. Okay. They, others, are going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. That's like this group perspective. It's a good thing. It's true that God's with us. God is with us. Whether you know him or not, God is with us. And that's true. What's going on here? So you have one name that's personal and one that's a group. People can know about God's presence without knowing God's, God the salvation. Did you realize that? It's kind of scary. It's possible to know the God with us without knowing God's salvation. It's an important distinction because it determines your, your place in eternity and a lot of other things. It can kind of actually be scary. I think some people think they know salvation when all they know is God with us. That's the real Christmas question for the day. We're, we're about to, to stop now and to light candles and, and uh, sing. And, um, but that's really the question for, for the evening tonight. It's the Christmas question. And Jesus talked about this very topic, the fact that people know him and they might be around him, but they don't have relationship with him. And there's a record in the scriptures of a chat that Jesus has with, with the Father in heaven. And he's talking about this very topic. And we get to, be, we get to eavesdrop. Let me just read it to you. John 17, verses 8 and 9. This is Jesus talking to the Father. We get to eavesdrop. Here's Jesus. He says, For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed you sent me. I pray for them. Jesus here is talking about people who have accepted him. I pray for the people that have accepted me. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Isn't that amazing? Our loving God, he's not praying for people who have rejected him. Do you realize that? It's possible to say, I don't want anything to do with you, God. And then people will say, 
uh, then God will say, okay, he'll honor your, your decision. Even though he wants to be Jesus to you, he's willing to be Emmanuel only if you refuse him. And that's the Christmas question. You know, I suppose if you've never been to church before or this church, um, you may be suspected that our, we basically exist here to point the way to Jesus, to help people walk with the Lord and to find a way to eternal life. That's our hope for every person. And I think probably it's, it's the pathway for most of you, if not all of you. But I bring it up tonight in case there are people here who know about Jesus, but don't know Jesus. And there's a significant difference. I, um, I want to move on to the next part, but I want to be very sensitive and discreet about this. I'm not going to single anybody out or embarrass anybody. I would not do that, but I want to explain to you just for a minute what that whole thing means so that you can do something with it in your heart if you choose to. Scripture says that every single person falls short of the glory of God. So that what that means is that none of us are good enough to get into heaven based on how, what kind of person we are. I don't care how good you are, it's not good enough. There have been too many times where you have sinned. We're imperfect. God requires perfection. And we can't be that on our own. And God looked at that and said, you know what? These people, they might mean well, but they mess up. And they mess up and they mess up. But I'm a holy God. I got to find a way to solve this dilemma for them. That was God's plan. And so he sent his son. And Jesus came by choice, the son of God. Scripture says that there is no other way to the father but through Jesus. You can't be good enough. You can't do it by going to church. You can't do it by putting money in an offering. You can't do it by helping a little old lady across the street. You can't do it by being a great neighbor, although those are all good things and you should do them. None of them will get you to heaven. It's relationship with Jesus that will make the difference. And when that day comes and you go on after this life, I believe there's one question that will, will be asked of you. What did you do with my son? And if, you're, if your answer was, oh, I invited him and I received the gift he gave me, you'll hear from the Lord, well done, enter into my rest. How do you, how do you solve that problem? You simply receive the gift of salvation. You receive the Jesus of Christmas. Scripture says that if you call on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. Scripture also says that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to stand up in church and, and say something. It just means that you believe in your heart and you tell somebody, hey, tell somebody tonight, tomorrow, whenever. You say to someone, hey, what that guy was talking about, I want to do that. I want to open my heart to Jesus. And you open your heart. Call on the name of Jesus and you'll be saved. I want to pray with you. And then we're going to um, light candles and sing another carol, okay? Say okay. Okay.